the Mull It Over podcast. What's going on? It's your boy, Mike Maul. This is the Mull It Over podcast. Today, today, today. Hey, y'all, look. Today, we got a special guest in the house. I've been waiting to talk to this young lady for quite a while. She's doing major things. Um, just blowing up the city, bringing uh, awareness to a lot of social issues, a lot of uh, issues of domestic violence and sexual abuse and things of that nature. Today, we got the homie in the building. <laughs> I call her TPZ. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, I do well. I do right well. That's my old uh, Southern talk. I do right well. So look, TPZ. Tell us, I mean, I'm sorry. Tia, tell us a little bit about like, you know, some of the things we have going on before we dive into some situations things over. All right. So um, just to kind of give a little glimpse, um, I kind of do a lot of work surrounding uh, domestic violence and uh, sexual assault. Um, I kind of concentrate on the faith community as well as within the family, because that was where a lot of my victimization happened. Um, like for for April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So we've been doing a lot of outreach um, to those victimized by sexual assault talks we got a talk coming up um, later this week actually friday so we're doing talks we're doing any and everything that we can to get the word out there tomorrow we actually have a photo shoot um, with survivors of sexual assault um it highlights how on the last wednesday of a month we call it denim day and it actually highlights a, a case that went to court of sexual assault and the judge overturned the case and let the guy off because he said the young lady in question was wearing tight jeans and it incited her own sexual assault. So he actually let the perpetrator get away because of that. And so it was a mass disruption in the court system. When so wait a minute, so wait a minute, wait a minute. So basically he said the girl was dressing uh, too provocatively and he couldn't Correct. control him. Wow. Yep. And so the judge actually ruled in the perp's favor. Um, and so women all across the world, even some guys, um, they dressed in denim, denim jeans on the last Wednesday of April to show support um, of when that happened, basically highlighting that it has absolutely nothing to do with what you wear. It has everything to do with the perpetrator and their need for power and control over whoever it is that they're victimizing. Um, so that's tomorrow. Um, we're going to meet down town and uh, we're going to wear our teal colored uh, she survived shirts and we're going to have a photo shoot and you know just really put the word out there bring bring awareness um, bring mostly bring awareness because we're tired of telling of people telling us no we can't talk about what happened to us or making us feel ashamed because of what happened to us so no, you, you know, we're no. using our voices now you say us, so you were a victim of sexual assault as well, right? Yes. Yes, I was. And now with your situation, did it come from the home or was it from outside individual? 
No, this, my sexual assault was an individual in my family, um, a cousin of mine um, who sexually assaulted me at a family function when I was 11. Um, he uh, cornered me in our, our basement of our um, uncle's house um, and he attempted uh, to rape me. Um, I was actually saved by one of my cousins who who couldn't find me. Um, and, you know, years later, kind of thinking hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, she was alerted to both of us being gone. So I feel like she had some inkling of what may have been um, taking place due to her own victimization. And so she actually came to find me. Um, she was like searching for me. Um, and so she actually, when I literally say saved me, she saved me. Like she, in in the act of him, you know, trying to rape me, um, she was able to scream and stop him from uh, raping me. And that's the only reason I did not have the actual penetration part of being sexually assaulted. So, so this month is really uh, holds near and dear to you for that reason, along yes. with everything else as well. Yes. Okay. Really trying to just bring that awareness, especially like when it comes to the family, families are notorious for covering things up. Um, yeah, what goes know, on in this house stays yeah. in this house. Yes, um, that was the, uh, the one, Uncle, Uncle Chester, the child molester. Yes, uh, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, um, that's what I was told. Um, you know, my family chose to handle it how they chose to handle it, um, which, you know, in a sense, put me in a situation to always be victimized um, by my cousin, who. Um, he bust my head with a boulder, like a literal boulder, uh, bust my head. Um, another time he kicked me down some steps. This was all his way of, you know, mad because what he attempted to do was stopped. Um, and so once my mom, you know, noticed this trend of things happening, um, when we would be together with family functions, she finally decided that I did not have to go back after a couple of months of, you know, little small things, big things, but, you know, still small things happening when the family was together. Um, and she finally came to me and just said, you know what, you don't have to go back. And so from probably about age 12 up until I was old enough to make the decision to kind of participate in family functions, I didn't have to go uh, because there was always an issue with that particular cousin when I came around. So let me ask, so how hard was it like, okay, cause you know, I've had a couple situations where I ran into individuals who were sexually assaulted and for whatever reason, they didn't tell anyone or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess my, my question to you would be, when you told your mother about the situation, did you tell your mother, first of all, I actually, I did tell my mother. I actually told my mother as soon as it happened. Um, I was... I was that kid that was not afraid to talk about the things that was going home. Although I was ostracized for it and I was treated like the black sheep, I actually told. Um, so I ran upstairs once I was able to get my clothes together. Like, I mean, he was fully trying to be in the act. Like my pants was down and he was smothering me. This is how close oh, wow. this thing happened to me. 
Um, and once I, my cousin helped me, we got my clothes together. Um, he threatening us, we better not say nothing. I ran upstairs and I told everybody that was sitting at the kitchen table. Um, I was not, not trying to tell. Um, and my aunt that was there chose to, oh, you guys were just playing. He didn't mean anything. Um, but my mom, yeah, they swept it under the rug. My mom, she, my mom actually believed me, but my mom had a history as well. And I think she could recognize that fear and anxiety that hit me. Um, of, you know, I was definitely afraid trying to get away. You said your mom. Now, Now, wait a second. Let me rewind this. Let me rewind this. Your mom had a history of this too. So this is something that kind of ran in the family. So yes. Because yes. I know in a, in a lot of situations, even in my own family, in the older generations, especially like the great greats, they had a lot of uh, unnecessary handlings going on uh, with some of the kinfolk, you know. Mm-hmm. And they didn't mm-hmm. tell because, you know, that was uncle so-and-so who might've been praised yep. in the family or whatever the case. Yep. Well, your mom had the same thing. So she was able to identify. Mm-hmm. Was she able to come forth as well and say, Hey, so-and-so touched me. No. Um, I actually found out about some of my mom's victimization. Um, the older I got, um, she began to, you know, tell a few things here or there, or you, you kind of heard different things in the family. Um, my mom was very protective of, although my mom was not as protective of us when it came to the situation with my father, when it came to other family members, my mom was very protective of us because of what she went through. Um, so she drew the line at us being put in, in a situation to where a family member could use or abuse us. Um, but when it came to us at home dealing with my father, it was different. Um, but she did not want, you know, to have any of her children have to go through anything like molestation or sexual assault or anything like that. Um, she was very, very particular about that situation. Well, that's good that she was able to recognize and go through that. So it's, I would say there's probably a lot of other situations with women, not necessarily women, but uh, okay. Well, let me say this before I put my foot in my mouth. Are the numbers of sexual assault the same between men and women? Uh, Not at all. Um, Women tend to be victimized more often than men. Um, Typically because men tend to be the perpetrator of assaults. Um, Especially in that sense. Or is it that maybe a lot of times it is that men don't come forward with it because a lot of times they're embarrassed, ashamed. Yes. I I mean, I I still think there's a a big slant when we talk about numbers. But yes, I do believe um, the numbers have an even bigger slant because men do not report. Um, It's rare for a man to report. um, And that's due to a lot lot of different reasons. Number one, being shame. Uh, Number two, being, oh, someone's going to, you know, think I'm homosexual if I report this thing happened to me. Um, Men's bodies are very reactive regardless. Um, And so that's another area of why men um, won't report. Um, It's strange to say as often as women report, there's still 
a very big gap. More than half of women who are, you know, sexually assaulted still don't report. Um, every 68 seconds, a child who has experienced sexual abuse has been substantiated. Um, so the numbers are very, very large, um, but they're those numbers that are large in reporting is just as as large as those who don't report, um, which is actually very unfortunate. I, I think because I know as a lot of men, I mean, other than uh, Nate, it's hard for a lot of men to get into, you know, that type of situation. And I know men who went through it because on private conversations, they may speak uh, in regards to that. Right. But I think maybe we need to come up with a way to push. Maybe it could be anonymous or something where men need to come forth. Because a lot of times I did a show on uh, on forgiveness. A lot of times the fact that they never uh, they never address what's going on. Mm. So a lot of times that hurt and that bitterness and resentment and everything is just festers in there. And they right. have to learn to release it. And sometimes, like I said, if it's a... A, a anonymous way of doing it or something. They make him do it and make them feel better. But I think that may take the burden off some of the guys who've had uh, certain things happen. So maybe we need to link up and come up with a way where men can have a, a day or a week of like anonymous yeah. confession yeah. or something. Yeah. So they the Rape Crisis Center, they have their anonymous crisis line. Even even with that men, they do call, but I would say they rarely call. Um, men just rarely report. Um, you know, so it's a yeah. man thing, unfortunately. Um, you know, our pride is in that. Um, I was gonna say, that's a whole a bunch of, of stuff. You don't want to be yeah. looked at as being homosexual if you're not homosexual. Right, yeah. But if you're molested, you start to question yourself. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've had yeah. numerous conversations with people who's been molested and so forth and they're like man i'm not about to come for anybody about to think i'm this or think i'm that you yeah. know because i'm that way or they and a lot of the guys ironically and crazy i guess you could say a lot of guys who were touched inappropriately or molested or whatever grow up and be homophobic and like to the point where they like uh where uh, gays or homosexuals will anger them just to see some of them. Like, I know guys who yeah. are touching stuff and then they see somebody and they just, poof, I mean, they just blow off the handle. And uh, yeah. it's like, yeah. man, you need to, <laughs> I told one of them, hey man, you need some help, man. <laughs> yeah, cause it's a, it's a trigger. Um, it's a trigger for, for men um, when we're talking about, we have that automatic, you know, fright and freeze, you know, when it comes to certain situations like that, because they automatically equate that to um, what happened to them, um, which I, you know, I would say is probably not necessarily true. Um, some people are simply, you know, perverts. Um, a perverted spirit true. will have you doing, true. you know, all kind of stuff, um, regardless. And that's a perverted spirit. It's a, you know, it's a perverted spirit. So it's not necessarily that they may identify as homosexual and that's why they did this thing. Mm -hmm. Some people simply have a perverted spirit. They simply yeah. do. They, they have a very perverted um, spirit and they have allowed that thing to overtake them. And so, you know, I, I remember with this one time when I was still working at the shelter, 
and um, I had to call off work um, because I didn't have a babysitter. This is before I was remarried, before I was doing any of what I'm doing now. I was just really getting started in the advocacy world. And uh, the, the lady that was the manager, she was like, oh, well, you can just bring your, your kids to uh, me and my wife's house and we'll watch your kids for you overnight for you while you go to work. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, we're going to pass. <laughs> I'll keep my kids at home. And not because I thought she was a Chester. Uh-huh. But I also understood a perverted spirit will have you do some stuff that you never would have actually thought you yourself would do. Not to mention you're living a perverted lifestyle. And yeah. so I said, no, I, you know, no. So um, I don't, I think when it comes to the spiritual side of that lifestyle, a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and so for me, it, it was a no, um, but a lot of people don't address I mean, but that comes from great discernment as too. I mean, that's, that's discernment to be able to even notice, you know, the spirit. Because sometimes a good spirit, a, a good disguise can be a, a pure heart. You yeah. Know? So it might come off pure, but it's like, eh, no, nah, something just ain't sitting right with me and my mm-hmm. and my head about this one, you know. And yeah. I say, you know, and when you get that feeling in your gut, you know, uh, the the Christian community says your your Holy Ghost just don't agree with it. So <laughs> right, when that happens. You kind of got to know to back off and like let that go for a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: what um, what are some signs that sexual abuse is taking place? Ooh, let's see here. Um, so I'll let me start with teenagers. Well, no, I'll start with little kids. So little kids tend to still tell their stories through play. Um, they'll be playing and you'll just notice, you know, uh, what? What just happened with the baby doll? Um, so you'll kind of, you know, notice that kids are playing out their victimization because they may not know how to put it in words. They may feel something is wrong, but they don't know exactly what to say. Um, but they, they will play it out because this is what's happening in their everyday life. Um, they'll start re-wetting the bed and they could have been potty trained for a few years, um, literally regressing back to like baby behavior. Um, where they want to be healed and comforted. They may even want to get a bottle. Um, They don't understand the words, especially because most families don't teach that. Like I teach my Kindle. I teach her, this is your vagina. This is what this is. This is what that is. Most perpetrators understand that parents feel uncomfortable saying the actual words. And so they don't teach their kids that. They'll teach their kids play words to identify yeah, their body parts. Yes. So yeah. if if my child comes to whoever they may be talking to and says, Grandpa kept touching my pocketbook and was playing with my pocketbook, oh, they, they think in a pocketbook. And no one is going to associate that with her private parts. Right. And so 
you know, even advocating when I'm sitting and talking with parents, I always tell them, please don't do that. Teach your kids the right words. Teach your children that most parents will teach if Uncle Bobby touch you or Joe touch you, you come let me know because these are parts no one should touch you in. They don't they don't tell their children if Uncle Bobby or Joe wants you to touch them or do something inappropriate to them, come tell me. So a mm. lot of times it's like a reverse molestation going on. I'm doing this to the adult person, but I don't know what's bad because they're not touching me. I'm doing all the touching. Um, uh, and so, yeah, you got to really kind of be, you know, looking, you know, you, and most parents, we know our kids. The first sign that they're doing something weird, it, it makes you want to ask questions like, where's that coming from? Um, why are you not playing with the other kids anymore? Or why don't you want me to come in the bathroom and wash you up anymore? It's little things like that, that we may assume is, oh, they're just getting older, or maybe they didn't want to play with them today. You know, as parents, our mind tries to protect us from the trauma that can hit our kids. And so we, a lot of times, won't accept that. I mean, yeah, because I know I don't teach my uh, daughter the real words. I, I'm, I am guilty. I yeah, say this most parents your are. Private, your pocketbook, yeah. <laughs> your, your, yeah. your, your hoo-ha, you know, uh, yeah. all that. So uh, I guess now going for, forward, uh, starting tomorrow, I'm going to yeah. exactly tell her exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Because if most parents do that, me, I need yeah. to know. So, yeah, yeah, so I've you know, been an advocate. Yeah, I've been an advocate since Jalen and Janai were three. So that was one of the things because of my experience and because I had friends who had been abused sexually by family members. Listen, sexual assault is nine times out of 10 going to be somebody you know. It's never the stranger in the white van that pulls up next to you and snatches you in a car or jumps out the alley. Yes, stranger rapes do occur. However, nine times out of 10 is going to be someone you have developed a relationship with that more than likely you have a level of trust with them. And a lot of times perpetrators will build that level of trust because they can then take advantage of you. And that's typically the case with our children. It's usually somebody they know, you know, usually a family member or a very close friend of the family that takes advantage of our children. See, that's why you can't take your kids around nobody. I'm telling you. That is why you can't take your kids around just anybody. Like we Especially do, not Uncle Joe. We ain't to be yeah, trusted. <laughs> and then half the time, we know. I, I I say it all the time. Stop telling your child to hush when they come tell you that. They're literally not lying. Most kids do not make that up. It You have to prep and prime and really work with a child to be able to tell that story in a natural way that people believe this really happened to them. Yeah, because if any of my kids tell me that, I won't lie. I will be all the way honest. Forgive me, Lord, early, because I'm, I cut the food. I had a situation uh, where my daughter was at daycare and the little boy was getting a little hands-on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went up to the daycare. Same day she told me, same day I went up there. Yeah. I said, I don't know who the little boy is, but I, I told her his name and I told him what they was doing. I said, if this happened again, I, you know, I, I mean, I probably didn't handle it the right way. I won't lie. 
But I told him, I want to meet the dad. Like I was, yeah. I was that ready to go. No, because you know what? Honestly, it should be confronted just like that. Most people don't confront when little things like that happen. They don't confront. Um, it's always this thing where if boys, even little boys, do inappropriate things like that, oh, that's my boy. He gonna have all the girls, and so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We react like that. We we perpetuate the cycle when it comes to you know sexual assault and how these things are are viewed. It's a proud moment when my son r- runs on the playground and you know grab you know three or four of the little girls' butts. That's playing. We don't view the, it, it's actually sexual assault nowadays. Like they're actually pushing it as sexual assault. But when we was kids growing up on the playground, ain't nobody used to talk about that being sexual assault. It was fun and games, or oh, he just likes you. Why is that considered yeah. a like thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. exactly. you think back when we was in school, I remember the, the girls. I remember there was. Yeah, I'm telling all my business now. This is the Marlon Over <laughs> podcast, so I'm going to let you into a little insight. But I remember this girl wanted me to walk her home, and I refused to walk her home. And uh, she would always. She's like, you know. I'll let you touch my butt if you let if you walk me home. I'm like, what? Like, that's weird. <laughs> At the time, you know, I'm young, girls got cooties and all that. I'm like, wait a minute. Why would you let me do that? Like, that's strange. And she would do this every day, though. She would say, you know, I'll let you see this, I'll show you this. So now, when I well, not now, but when I got older, I realized this girl was probably being yeah. assaulted or something. Yeah. And she and learned why. to manipulate to get what she wanted by using her body at such a young yeah, age. Yeah, because now she like women, and that's kind of like, oh, wow, I see what kind of yeah. happened here. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of times, a lot of the situations I've worked in, women who have been constantly abused um, sexually, domestic violence, what have you, by men, um, they tend to actually become lesbians because they yeah. feel like, you know, this is safer for me. Um, women will understand a little bit more. Um, two traumatized women will get together, raise families together, live together, you know, get married the whole nine um, due to, you know, the trauma of of what they've been through and not feeling trusting when it comes to uh, men. Wow, that's deep. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of spiritual um, yes, warfare in there as well. <laughs> definitely. A whole lot. Um, so now we talked about uh, in younger kids how we would tell the signs. Mm-hmm. What about teenager to mid to you know adulthood? So the funny thing is, um, when I used to do my parent classes and I would talk about teenagers, I said the first sign is the way they dress. If they are wearing, you know, hoodies and sweatpants in the dead of summer and they always got a hood on and just looking, I would be like, that's your first sign that your child has been abused. They're trying to hide. Uh, I just had to throw it in there because when girls get pregnant, they get on some of the biggest clothes. But I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Okay. But yeah, that that used to be a sign. Like I used to literally tell that. That's what I taught. I literally now I don't even know what to teach the parents as far as you know certain things because the very. 
yes, it's cool to do it now. It's cool to wear sweats all year long. Um, but you can you can tell like they they're a straight A student. Their grades start dropping, like literally getting F's. Um, I worked with this one young lady, her stepfather was sexually abusing her. Um, and so she, you know, started dressing like a boy. Um, she started uh, braiding her hair back, you know, big baggy clothes, um, trying to make everything about her appear non-feminine. Um, they'll yeah. stop bathing um, because they feel like if I don't smell pleasant, this won't happen to me. Um, they'll, you'll notice they will start cutting They'll start being very uh, isolated, family and friends. They don't want to be around nobody. Um, and and then as a parent, I feel like if you know your child, um, mm-hmm. sometimes you're just going to know something is off with them. Um, so that's some of the, the ways non-clothes that you can tell when something has happened to a teenager. Um, adults kind of some of the same stuff as a teenager um uh in general um promiscuous behavior abusing alcohol and drugs um the likelihood for attempted and completed suicides go go up in that age group and that age really? group is typically right about that uh 14 to 24 age range. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. The uh, suicide rate drastically goes up. Um, abusing alcohol and drugs. I, listen, I was an alcoholic from age 11 up to right after I had Jalen and Janai, which I was what? How old was I? 25, I think. Oh, 26. Wow. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was the way that I used to cope. Um, Due to you know being an abused exactly child, say, coping mechanisms. Yeah, you know they they coping mechanisms are terrible. Um, promiscuous. Um, I'm trying to take back my control. Um, it's it's weird, but you know I've been sexually assaulted. You snatched that from me. You took. I I could not freely give that to you, um, and so. Now I'm just out here giving it to anybody because I'm trying to regain my control. I'm trying to, before you can forcefully take it from me, I'm trying to freely give it. And although I'm freely giving it to 10 or 15 people, it's my decision to freely give it to you because I can't stand the fact that you may forcibly take something from me that I'm not trying to give you. And so they're promiscuous. Um, By giving it up, you feel like you're in control of it. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty deep. Okay, so before we uh, wrap it up and everything, what are some resources that if someone was going through uh, the uh, through sexual assault or abuse, what are some ways they could reach out and maybe get some help or some guidance on what they should do in their situation? So the good thing is we have national numbers. Um, I don't have them offhand. The RAIN, it's the RAIN is for sexual assault, um, R-A-I-N-N-E. Um, let me see, I'm gonna look it up real quick. R-A-I-N-N, RAIN.org. Um, so they handle the national level of uh, sexual assault. Um, so their number, you could actually call 1-800-656-HOPE. So they'll be able to actually lead you to any place local to you to get assistance when it comes to sexual assault. Um, 
So that is one resource um, that I always, like I always give that resource out for um, sexual assault victims. Um, some people feel more comfortable talking to, you know, people they know that do the work. I get a lot of like inboxes, um, of leading people, people might not want to be long term, but hey, you speak out freely. I know you do this work. This just happened to me. How do I navigate these waters now? Where do I go to for help? Um, what about the court system? Uh, what can what'll happen here? Who should I report this to, or who should I talk to next? Should I go get a, a rape kit done? Some people literally, you know, they don't know these things because it, it's never happened to me. Um, that's why I'm I'm. At, I feel privileged to even be able to do the work that I do because I help so many people. Like people literally will inbox me when it when something happens to them. And as quietly as my inbox is, I can lead them and direct them to where they need to go, who they need to talk to, give them numbers uh, for people that I know in the field who they can get in contact with in the courts, all of that, sexual assault and domestic violence across the board. Pretty awesome. I think uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to reach out because you bring a, you bring a lot of awareness uh, to these two issues, sexual assault and domestic violence. I wanted to focus this one on the sexual assault because it is sexual assault month, but I'm a, I'm a bring her back everybody so that we can dive into the domestic violence, uh, part of things too. But with it being the sexual assault, um, we got the rain organization and we got, uh, ways to get in touch with them. Uh, what would be some ways someone can get in touch with you so that you can help be help more people? Because I'm sure there's a lot more people that are looking for help and just don't know where to search, where to look. Right, right. Anybody, I'm on all actual social media platforms under uh, Legacy 31. Um, I actually just recently you know, revamp my YouTube channel um, to really start putting out um, some content on YouTube as well. So I'm on YouTube as Legacy 31. I'm on Facebook as Legacy 31. I'm on Instagram as Legacy 31. Um, my my le- my website is Legacy31.org. It has a chat feature, you know, as a pop-up on a website. It comes directly to me. Um, Legacy 31 phone number is uh, 330-362-9527. It comes directly to me. I usually man, you know, that hotline um, until 10 p.m., um, you know, and then... I have on my website, if like if someone can't directly get in contact with with me, I have a resource page that has, you know, our local victim assistance um, hotline information on there, as well as um, the Rape Crisis Center and the Battered Women's Shelter. Um, those are local resources outside of me that I do work very closely with um, that they can all, I don't provide shelter. I'm, I'm more resource-based and crisis intervention-based. I do a lot of education and training and teaching type stuff, but I don't provide shelter. Um, I get a lot of people who, hey, do you have a shelter? I would prefer to come, you know, somewhere smaller versus going somewhere bigger. I don't have a shelter. Um, so I still always refer back to, you know, our local, you know, better women's shelter if it's a need for them to get out immediately. Um, a lot of times people don't understand trying to get out of these situations. That is the most dangerous time for someone living in these situations. 
family and friends, just leave, just leave. Why would you stay? You should not. It's I, you're the expert when it comes to your abuser or the perpetrator or whoever is doing, you're the expert on that person. You know, their triggers, you you know, everything about them because you have lived with this person, you know, this person. So you're the expert. So simply just leaving may not be an option for you. You might have to plan it out. You might need some safety tips. You might need all of these things to safely leave this situation. So it's not always a, a quick a quick leave. Um, sometimes you you really need some assistance and some guidance on how to get out of that situation safely, so so you can save save a life. Well, that's interesting because I said in a podcast recently uh, when I was speaking in just regards to getting tired of things happening to you or against you, and I said you'll know when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you'll start finding a way to get out of some of this stuff. And a, a lot of times, even though they're being abused, they haven't come to a point yeah. that they're sick and tired of it yet. As crazy yeah. as that may sound, it's like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I'll deal with it because this is uncle so-and-so and I know he loves me or he doesn't make, he's just doing it because of X, Y, Z. But really, when you get so fed up that you you you've had enough and you're like, you know what, you're not ever gonna touch me again. I don't care. I'm telling the police yeah. something's yeah. gonna happen. Then that's when things will change. You have to become completely tired of the situation and ready to change. Because one thing about it, two things for sure, dealing with both sexual assault and domestic violence, and I've dealt with both, uh, not necessarily through me, but through people in my life. And I've I've fought people and did the whole thing, and then they go right back to some of these people. Yeah. So it's not yeah, going to be until they're ready. When to you're ready, move. Yeah, a lot of times, um, family and friends will reach out to me and, "Hey, can you call? Can you do?" And I know I I don't make phone calls. I absolutely don't make phone calls. And I even when I'm sitting in a session with somebody, I will tell them I will not call you because you have to be ready to call mm-hmm. someone such as me. Until you're ready, I can call you all day long. You're not going to answer. And if you do answer and figure out who I am, you're going to block me or you're going to do something because you're simply not ready. And I, it's, it's imperative that people understand that even the family and friends who's reaching out for assistance until they're ready, they're not going to leave that situation. They're simply not. They have to be at a point of being ready to leave. There's so many different reasons why people stay, especially when we talk about domestic violence. There's so many re- very valid reasons for the person in that situation, but so many reasons why they stay that we, we might not necessarily think about. People used to ask me all the time, oh my God, why did you stay with him? Well, unfortunately, I was told that if I left, I would go to hell and I didn't want to go to hell. So I stayed. Most don't people worry. don't know we, we, that. No, don't give them too much now. That's for the domestic violence one. We're going to get deeper yeah. on that one. But, uh, yeah, but it, I mean, it's so, crazy. So, okay. So, we, okay. For wrapping up purposes here. Yeah. Uh, what would you tell someone who's going through a situation right now with um, sexual assault, sexual abuse? What would you tell them to do or. How can they get themselves in a position to help themselves do better uh, or, or try to change their situation? If they've reached that point where they're sick and tired and they need to do something different, 
what would so be the, the best depending, uh, depending on their story, I would probably direct them differently. Um, because like you, there's, there's a difference in um, the type of sexual abuse that you may experience. So you can be sexually abused as a child or a teenager. Fear keeps you silent. You know, I'm a child. Who's going to believe me? Fear keeps me silent. Um, even if I report, um, parents have turned their backs on their children when they report sexual abuse. So that, that's a little stickier um, situation. Um, for me as an advocate, I'm automatically believing you based off of your age when you report that. Um Law enforcement teachers, different people like that, we're, they're trained to automatically believe you because you automatically know children don't necessarily make those type of tales up. Mm -hmm. um, so you're automatically trained to believe and then you can go into action. So when a child reports, even a teenager reports, it's more action to it. You know, um, as an uh, adult, like I've, I've heard and talked to people whose sexual assault started as a child, but continued into adulthood because they've been so prepped and primed to accept this type of behavior that then I, I, I don't know if I would say they have to be ready, but you're right. They have to still be ready to make those steps. That situation is a, a, a lot more dicey because you've you've been trained to accept this type of behavior. Um, that has to be a knowing and a coming unto yourself. Um, but still some of the same rules apply, you know, reaching out to people you know can help you, um, looking into your local rape crisis centers. Um, the statute of limitations have um, changed when it comes to uh, reporting sexual abuse. So you can still, you know, prosecute. Um, it happens all the time, uh, people years later, there was just a recent case in Steubenville, um, a family came forward um, and uh, okay, Legacy 31 is faith-based because of this reason. A lot of stuff happened in churches that people try to sweep under the rugs, don't want to talk about because we're dealing with church leadership. This young girl and her family came forward and reported the pastor, um, and he he was sent to prison, you know, and, and it was a big split in the church. You know, people are like, oh, he would never do anything like that, but I'm here to tell you, if you prosecute a sexual assault case and you win, they have evidence that you did indeed commit this crime that you're being accused of. Sexual assault is one of the hardest things to prove very wow. hard even with kids even with kids um kids wow. tend to change their story based off of the multitude of questions that are being asked oh i can't put that child on they won't put a child on the stage unless you're 12 and over because yeah, that's their opinion on what what happened can, yes yes and that's even true. even with uh, adults um they will argue it's your word against mine and I can have been severely, you know, sexually assaulted. Um, but, you know, his lawyer or her lawyer, whoever the person may be, can argue that I wanted it to happen. And this was going on and that was going on. And well, they really definitely seen that on many it. cases where especially yeah. celebrity plays a lot into that. Yes. Where, yeah. I mean, even mm -hmm. as far as a couple as Cleveland's quarterback is going through a similar case and yeah, and uh, yeah. other people, Kobe, and all the other players who've had similar situations. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, your word against theirs, pretty much, and it's unfortunate yeah. because it puts you in a, a position of there's this big slant of people who report and those who don't. Those are reasons why. 
That's kind of the the building block for uh, what is it? The Me Too Act. Yeah. You know, yeah. people speak against like stuff that happened to them seventy years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But. People still dealing with that trauma from 70 years ago, okay? Yeah, and that's what it is a lot of times. They still just, they haven't necessarily gotten over it or somebody told them to sweep it under the rug, let it go, right, or whatever yeah. it may be. But then, you know, some stuff happens, you know. And yeah. uh, they need to be, I mean, even if they don't get prosecuted, sometimes it's just, even if they don't get prosecuted, sometimes it's just bringing it to light. That you bringing know, it to light is so very freeing. It is very, very freeing. And that's what I was speaking on on the Forgiveness uh, podcast, that sometimes, you know, you ain't necessarily got to, you're not forgiving people for them. You know, you're forgiving them for you so that you can feel yeah. better. Because yeah. a lot of it, the bondage that people hold is because they refuse to let go of something someone did because they never got to right. address the situation. I told them if you had to write a note to yourself about it, however you, however it is that you feel like you need to express it, if you write a letter to that person and never give it to them, just write it. I think that'll mm-hmm. begin your healing process. It does. It. That's actually uh, one of the techniques that I use with... Um, kids that I work with, um, I have them write a letter to their abuser. Be it, you know, you, you're still a direct, you know, result of domestic violence in your home. Or even if you, you were being sexually abused, I always have kids write that letter because they their voice has already been stolen. You know, um, and now they have opportunity. That even if you never give this letter, at least you have opportunity to write it and tell that person exactly how you felt. And it helps. It helps definitely with kids. It helps a lot. So um, I would just really encourage people to reach out and tell their stories. I've, I've God has really been dealing with me when it comes to hidden trauma and different things like that. Um, I hate to put it this way, but the devil work in darkness and hidden places, um, especially when it comes to like our emotions and stuff like that and the longer people are silent about that you know the more you're hiding like you're literally hiding you know so i've been telling people lately stop hiding you know talk about it tell about it like it ain't your fault that you know somebody chose to victimize you get that blame get that burden of guilt that you never took on get that back to the person that it belongs to so you can be free so you can be healed um the devil wants you to stay exactly where you are he wants you to cloak yourself in that trauma every single day so you cannot walk into the purpose that god has called for you as long as you cloak yourself in that, how can God use that? He He wants to, to use it for his glory, but he can't if you're going to cloak yourself in it and not, you know, want to let it go. Preach, so, preacher. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I could go on and on about that particular part of the work that I do for quite some time because I used to be there. I, I used to be that person. So. And that's the most relatable. That's what makes it understandable, relatable, personable. That's what makes all those attributes that people want to reach out to uh, more more dominant in, in who you're talking to because you can actually right. say, look, this was me. I've been there. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my talks and everything, I try to do a motivational this and motivational that. And uh, I'm pushing actually a motivational speaking uh, platform myself because I'm trying to switch to motivational speaking along with the podcasting and everything else I do. Mm-hmm. But it's, and from what everybody I've seen and followed and studied, 
the more you talk about something you can relate to, more people can believe your story and they'll be more relatable. Exactly. To you. I mean, I can't talk exactly. to you right now about being a billionaire or, or a millionaire because I ain't got that. But I can definitely yeah. tell you some stories about being broke. You know, everybody mm-hmm. know what a wish wish is. You know, you, you wish you had some meat or you wish you had some bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. so everybody know that, you know, relatable things is what people can actually use to uh, help themselves, especially like I said, you're more likely to get people to reach out to you if they feel like you can actually um, understand what they're saying. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people say they can, but I think it takes um, a special gift from God to be able to truly understand a situation without having 100% being there. So one time, mm-hmm. when you do have time and you have people who have actually been in that situation, I feel like they have a greater understanding of the the total picture. Because like you said, if you've never been in a domestic violence situation or a domestic assault situation, everybody just saying, well, why don't you just leave? Like I just told somebody the other day, I said, you ain't tired yet, so you're going to stand until you're tired. We're not even going to waste our breath on this. That's what I just told somebody. Um, And it was because it's like, look, I've been... I haven't necessarily been the victim of it per se, but I've, like I said, I've fought for these folks. I've, uh, mm-hmm. I, man, I've had a lot of fights for some folks with some domestic violence and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's like you gonna go right back to them, no matter what I do. I could be yeah. in jail for life because I didn't hurt them. Yeah. They'd be mad at me because mm-hmm. I hurt them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh nah, man, listen. Yeah. When it comes to man, when it comes to domestic violence, listen, I could. <laughs> oh, I know. I got hours. Tia Payne does yeah. tell her stories often on TikTok. If you want to I catch do. her, on, follow her on TikTok, and she will definitely enlighten you on some things that she has experienced. Again, yeah. that's Legacy Thirty One. Check it out. Now, before we get off of here, uh, I'm gonna ask you to stay on the line real quick, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. close this out, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to set this up. So anyway, you guys, y'all know what time it is. Here we go. This is the Marlet Over Podcast. If you need to reach out to me, reach out to me at marletoverpodcast at gmail.com. Today's special guest, Tia Payne, T Peasy, Tia the Great, <laughs> whatever you want to call her, just call her greatness. Uh, reach out to her. Uh, definitely connect with her, Legacy 31. That's her movement. That's her her brand. She's helping people daily. If you're having some things going on in your life, you need to talk to someone about sexual sexual abuse or sexual assault or domestic violence, uh, things of that nature. She, she's going to help you. And if she can't, being that I know her, she's going to find some way to help you somehow with the resources. She has a resource page that she stated uh, earlier in the podcast. Check it out. Uh, I hope this is a blessing to you, and I hope that someone you know reaches out and, and really gets the help that's needed. Other than that, that's my time. I'm going to holler at y'all. Peace. Peace.